Welcome to the SMC 2021 podcast. What if God wanted to do something new in your life? This is your fresh start. What's happening, SMC? I'm so excited that you're tuning into this podcast to get a fresh perspective on how did we get here. My name is Spencer Askren. I grew up in Northeast Kansas, and I now work for Stumo at the University of Wyoming. And if you guys were here in person right now, I'd show you a picture of my beautiful wife, Jessie Lynn. She's for sure my my better half and my my better looking half. Jess and I've been married a little over two years. And guys, something that you need to know about me is that I make decisions really fast. For example, take Jess and I's relationship. Our first date was on February 3rd. We got engaged May 4th. Isn't that crazy? Three months later, but even crazier than that is on August 3rd, six months to the date, we got married. Some of you girls are probably feeling some anxiety right now because I know that is fast. Another thing that you need to know about me is that I'm biased. I'm a very brand loyal guy. So when it comes to vehicles, I'm Chevy over Ford every time. Toothpaste, I'm Crest over Colgate. I don't know why. Probably just because I grew up using it. When it comes to tractors, I'm Farmall over John Deere. When it comes to shoes, I'm Nike over Adidas. But here's the thing, guys. Every single one of us is biased. All of us have different upbringings, past experiences, and different viewpoints that naturally create a bias within us. And that's not a bad thing. It's actually a really good thing that usually leads to diversity, but can also lead to conflict. So as we dive into talking about how we as humans got here, I have a question for you. Why does there seem to be a conflict between faith and science? Science is the search for truth. Science itself is not for or against God. And actually over the years, some of the most well-known scientists believed in God. Take Sir Isaac Newton, for example, one of the greatest scientists and most intelligent men of all time. He said this, He who thinks half-heartedly will not believe in God, but he who really thinks has to believe in God. Now, I'll be honest, there are plenty of other scientists out there who would probably disagree with this and have a way smarter response than I ever could. And so it's not so much that faith and science actually oppose each other, it's people. And it seems that the majority of people I talk to who doubt creation and God have never really looked into it. And on the other side of the same coin, the majority of the people I know who oppose the Big Bang and evolution have also never really looked into it extensively. And to be honest, that I was guilty of this. So that's what we are going to do right now. We're going to look at the two most widely accepted theories of how the world was formed and how life came to be, the Big Bang and creation. Let's start with the Big Bang Theory. Uh, This would be the scientific argument for how the world and life were created. And I'm sure many of us learned about this in our basic biology classes growing up, along with how to dissect a cat or a frog. (laughs) The Big Bang Theory states that all of the current and past matter in the universe came into existence at the same time 
roughly 13.8 billion years ago. And so 13.8 billion years ago, all matter was compacted into a really, really small ball with infinite density and intense heat called a singularity. Suddenly, the singularity began expanding and violently exploded, which created the universe we now live in. Poof. Created. The theory states that the universe then cooled and eventually produced galaxies, stars, planets, and eventually Earth, all formed out of a minute atom less than the size of your fist. Pretty incredible, right? Okay, so based on the Big Bang, how did humans come into existence? This is actually where the Big Bang Theory gets a little fuzzy and, and honestly kind of confusing. From here, it depends on who you talk to and where you look for answers. So I'd encourage you guys to do some of your own research on this. Some would say it was through the process of expanding and exploding that hydrogen gas was created, which led to the formation of life. Professor Barzi from the University of Western Australia says it like this. Human beings essentially started as hydrogen atoms and energy swirling around to create other chemicals and these interactions resulted in life. But NASA would disagree and say that from their research, humans were actually created out of carbon and oxygen, which makes sense because that's what we're made of, which were formed both from the stars colliding and condensing approximately 400 million years after the Big Bang. And so there was kind of a timeline there. There's a number of other variations about how life was birthed out of the Big Bang and how Darwin's theory of micro and macro evolution came to be, which we actually don't have time to get into. But all things considered, it's a pretty incredible theory. Does it require some faith? Definitely. Is it the most logical and easy to believe explanation of how the earth was formed? Maybe, but probably not for everybody. Now, the biggest argument against the Big Bang is that if something starts, it must have a creator. You know, you think about it, what has ever happened that didn't have a cause? Al-Ghazali says it like this, a Muslim philosopher and, and theologian in the 11th century said, whatever begins to exist has a cause. I mean, think about it. It's Newton's third law, that for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. So we're actually going to get into more of that later. Uh, but on that, I can't really think of anything that has ever just happened that didn't have a cause outside of God. And that leads us to the other most widely accepted theory, creation. This is the biblical argument for how the world came to be, so it's natural that we would go to the Bible. Genesis 1.1, the very first chapter, the very first verse of the Bible says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In this theory, this creation theory, it all starts with God. It's pretty interesting. It says, in the beginning, God. Like God just existed. God was already there. God is outside of space and time. He always has and he always will be. And you want to know something that I think is pretty cool? The only constant that we know of is the speed of light, which travels at 186,000 miles per second. And guess what God created first? Light. Genesis 1-3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Like God just spoke it. Boom, light. 186,000 miles per second. 
of light. It's pretty incredible. And the idea of God creating the universe isn't just spoken of in Genesis. There are actually plenty of other texts and verses that all point to God as the creator. I'll just share one more with you. Hebrews 11 verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So in the creation theory, God creates the universe as we know it, and he does it in six days, then he rests on the seventh. And this includes all life, so mammals, fish, birds, reptiles, and even humans. Genesis 2 verse 7 says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. God goes on to create the first woman, Eve, and they would procreate the rest of the human race. This is the biblical view of creation. Does it require some faith? Definitely. Is it the most logical and easy-to-believe explanation of how the earth was formed? Maybe, but probably not for everybody. Now, the biggest argument against the biblical creation theory is how can you believe in God when you can't prove that he exists? So it's pretty simple. It's just not believing in God. Another name for that would be atheism. So no creator, no creation. It's really interesting that when we back up and look at both of these theories side by side, there's really just one big question mark. And if we could answer this one question, it would solve the whole thing. Is there a creator? I mean, think about it. The Big Bang is founded upon the atheist belief that there's no creator, no God. Creation is founded upon the Christian belief that there is a creator or God. Both of these theories require faith. It takes faith to believe in God, and it also takes faith to not believe in God. I actually want to argue today that it takes more faith not to believe in God. That might surprise you, but that's where we are going to spend the rest of our time. Because every single one of us, atheist, Christian, or agnostic, has to answer this question. Do I believe in a creator? And if I do, is this creator the God of the Bible? Now, I want to give a disclaimer. I can't prove to you that God exists. I really wish that I could. But you also can't prove to me that he doesn't. And so my hope is that as we talk through some evidence that points to God, that I might bring you to a point where you might meet God. That he might choose to reveal himself to you because the only way we can ever know him is if he allows it. For the believers listening to this, let this strengthen your belief in God and push you to take greater steps of faith for him. I would challenge all of us to know why we believe what we believe based on evidence and education, not just a feeling or not just what you grew up with. You see, our belief should be rooted in something logical, evidence. So there isn't proof that God exists, but I'm going to argue that there's plenty of evidence. You know, you don't have to check your brain at the door. Faith and intellect can actually go hand in hand. Plato said it like this, There are two things that lead men to believe in God, the existence of the soul and the order of the motion of the stars. 
Basically, what he's saying here is, hey, there's two things that naturally point people to God, and, and it's morality, so it's our, our sense of morality, and it's the universe. And so I want to give you guys three pieces of logical evidence from those two things that point to God, that point to a creator. Number one, the first piece of logical evidence that points to God is what's called universal morality. Universal morality. Guys, I grew up with with two brothers. I'm the middle of, of three boys, and so naturally when you've got three boys growing up together, you're going to have some, some ornery moments. Well, I remember one summer very vividly, our typical babysitter couldn't make it. And so in his place, he sent his junior high sister over to watch us. And uh, so her name was Joan. Joan comes over. She's babysitting us. Everything's going great. Well, then the three of us boys get an idea. We're like, what if we locked Joan out of the house? Like, wow, that would be incredible. And so there's three of us. There's three doors. There's one of her. All we have to do is get her outside and beat her to those three doors, and it is accomplished. So Sawyer, my youngest brother, he's the slowest at the time, just because he's the youngest. And so he's got the first door. I'm going to run to the next closest door because I'm the second fastest, and my older brother, Seaver, is going to run to the basement and lock the basement door. So we set the trap. We start coaxing Joan outside. She takes a step out the door. Sawyer yanks the door closed behind her, locks it. I take off for the laundry room. Seaver takes off for the basement, and we get Joan locked out of the house. It was amazing. It was an awesome feat. Three of us are celebrating in there. About five minutes later, we're peeking out the window. We don't see Joan anymore. Well, little do we know, Joan had walked to the neighbor's. She calls our dad, and about that time, dad gives us a phone call. And dad is livid that we locked Joan out of the house. Now, I look back at that, and there was no written rule that said, hey, don't lock the babysitter out of the house. I mean, come on. No one had to tell us that it was wrong or disrespectful or, or mean. We knew that it wasn't right because every one of us has an inborn sense of right and wrong. And I don't mean by that I don't mean just the huge and awful things like murder, robbery or sex trafficking. This idea of universal morality refers to the more micro things that are hardwired into all of us, like returning a favor or protecting a loved one. Those are basic instincts that the majority of the world is born with. And don't just take my word for it. Oxford University conducted the largest study ever on morality. It surveyed over 60 different cultures, and everyone everywhere shares seven moral rules. Isn't that pretty incredible? Every community in every culture are held together by the same seven rules. Now, I don't have time to explain them, but they're pretty self-explanatory, and here they are. Number one, help your family. Number two, help your group. Number three, return favors. Number four, be brave. Number five, defer to superiors. Number six, divide resources fairly. And number seven, respect others' property. It's pretty incredible that every community and every culture 
all have these same seven rules that really govern their society. Like, where did that come from? And when did we agree to it? Could it be that those were placed there by God? Could it be that something else has been hardwired into us by someone else? For me, I think without God, the morality that exists across the entire universe wouldn't be. Because we would all naturally look out for number one and praise everyone who was good at living that way. And that's actually Darwinism played out. It's survival of the fittest. It's kill or be killed. It's steal or be stolen from. But that's not what we see today across the entire universe. Are there exceptions in every culture? Sure. But that's not what we're seeing being true of the majority. Universal morality is evidence that points us to God. The second piece of logical evidence that points us to God is the universe. What if I told you that faith, science, and education could all go together hand in hand? Would you believe me? This isn't my official statement or my official stance, but I actually believe that they can. And there are people out there who are way smarter than me who believe this too. You see, up until 1929, atheist scientists believed that the universe was proof that God didn't exist because the universe had always existed. The only eternal thing they believed was in the universe. Their own theory said that if something has a beginning, then something outside of that, that pre-existed, had to cause it to come into existence. But in 1929, that changed when Edwin Hubble discovered through his telescope that the universe had a definite starting point. You see, he discovered that galaxies were moving away from each other at a rapid rate, and the universe was continuing to expand because at one point they were flung apart by a massive explosion called what? The Big Bang. But could that force or that Big Bang, that sudden explosion, could that have been God? It's important to know that the first couple chapters of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, they're not a science textbook. Like they don't tell us how God made the universe. They just tell us that he did make the universe. You see, the point of Genesis was never to teach us science, but to reveal the God behind the science. So could the massive explosion that the Big Bang argues for have been God? Could some of the theories about how galaxies and stars were formed from the Big Bang be the way that God actually pieced it together? Could the seven-day creation story have actually taken place over thousands of years like the Big Bang states? It doesn't matter. Those are the wrong questions. The only question that matters is who did it. It's interesting that the that majority of scientists today all agree that the universe had a beginning. This is why there have been so many variations and offshoots of the Big Bang, because atheist scientists' first law has been compromised. That if the universe has a starting point, then something or someone that pre-existed had to come in and create it or cause it to come into existence. Francis Collins, director of the Human Genome Project, so a pretty smart guy, says this, The Big Bang cries out for a divine explanation. It forces the conclusion that nature had a defined beginning. 
I cannot see how nature could have created itself. Only a supernatural force that is outside of time and space could have done that. The late Stephen Hawking, world-renowned atheist and scientist, said it like this, The odds against a universe like ours emerging out of something like the Big Bang are enormous. I think there are religious implications. Now that's pretty amazing coming from a world-renowned atheist who has written books against creation. That he would say the odds against a universe like ours emerging out of something like the Big Bang are enormous. I think there are religious implications. Well, it's pretty neat today that we actually know the odds uh, of our universe emerging randomly out of nothing. They're actually 1 in 10 to the 138th power. Now, if you're like me, that doesn't mean much. So to put that into context, 10 to the 70th power is the number of atoms in the entire universe. We're talking about 1 in 10 to the 138th power. Way bigger. Isn't that crazy? You see, there are around 122 variables that would have to be lined up just perfectly at a precise value at just the right time for the universe to come together randomly. And if any one of those 122 variables were off in the moment by even one part in a million millionths, matter would not be able to come together. Therefore, no universe, no galaxies, no stars, no earth, no life. If that's not enough to cause some doubt, another interesting discovery over the years has been that the energy of the universe is gradually decreasing. But if the universe is eternal, without a beginning or an end, then it could never be running out of energy. In layman's terms, something doesn't wind down unless it has first been wound up. You see, it's evidence like like this that we just talked about that has pointed many atheist scientists to acknowledge, okay, the earth definitely has a starting point. You see, the universe itself points to God. The third piece of logical evidence that points us to God is what's called the evidence of design. Evidence of design. All right, I told you one story about my brothers and I. I got to tell you another. My brothers and I are big outdoorsmen. We love coming back home to Kansas and and doing some bow hunting. And so two years ago, my brother Seaver and I were, were walking in in the dark to one of our our blinds to do a little deer hunting that morning. We're walking in, it's dark, and we have to cross a creek. So we come up to this creek, and there's there's a few logs kind of stretched across this creek where some beavers have, have knocked down some trees. And so we, we got to step over this creek. And this morning in particular, it's super, super cold. I mean, I think it was about 12 degrees. So it's bitter cold out there. So we're all bundled up. And my brother Seaver doesn't have the best balance in the world. And so Seaver's leading the way and he walks up to this creek and he goes to step over it. And as he gets to the breaking point, he wobbles. And I proceed to watch my brother tumble right into the creek, breaking through the ice in 12 degree weather. <laughs> After a couple 
choice words, he finally drags himself out of the other side. And I'm a mixture of, are you okay? And trying not to laugh. Well, we end up making it over to our blind and, and it doesn't take long, about 15 minutes and Seaver's legs are frozen solid. Like literally the clothing on his legs are frozen solid. So we only last in the blind for about an hour, have to have our brother come come pick us back up. But I, I'm looking back at that scenario and, and, and it, it paints a pretty cool visual image. Take that log jam. Like nobody looks at a log jam in a creek and wonders, was that built by beavers or did that just randomly happen? It's another thing to look at something like the Hoover Dam and wonder the same thing. Did that just happen randomly by an explosion or was there a designer and builder behind it? Like nobody looks at the Hoover Dam and thinks, wow, that just happened randomly from an explosion. It is obvious that there is a designer and builder behind it. So why do so many look at the complexity of the universe and not realize there is a builder and designer behind it? The Bible speaks to this. I've waited a long time to kind of bring the Bible into any of my evidence proving outside of the creation theory. And so we're going we're gonna to jump in here real quick. Romans 1, 19 and 20 says this, Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Paul right here, who's the author of Romans, is saying, hey, look around. Check out the Rocky Mountains over there. Do you really think those just happened? Hey, take a look at Niagara Falls over there. Do you think that just came to be? Go to one of the national parks like Yellowstone, which is right up where I'm living, or Yosemite, and look at some of the amazing designs there and tell me there's not a designer behind those. Owen Gingrich, the professor of astronomy at the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysicists, I don't even know what that is, tells me he's a really smart guy. <laughs> he said this, there are so many wonderful details which, if they were changed only slightly, would make it impossible for us to be here. One has to feel somehow that there is a design in the universe and, therefore, a designer to have worked it out so magnificently. I want to give you guys a couple example examples. Let's take gravity to start. Gravity is finely tuned to an incomprehensible degree. If you were to alter it by one pound or even less than a pound, intelligent life would not be possible in the universe. So alter gravity by, by less than a pound and we would either float away or we would be crushed. It wouldn't be possible for us to live here. Another one would be what's called the cosmological constant. Now that's just a big word that refers to the energy density of space. It's also set to a finely tuned degree. It's finely tuned, get this, it's finely tuned to one part in a hundred million 
billion, 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 billion. For example, that would be the same degree of accuracy as if you went to the moon, pulled out a dart, and threw it at a predetermined bullseye on Earth that is the size of one atom. If that wasn't so finely tuned, the universe would either collapse on itself or be formless. Not a chance of life. And there, there are several other, you know, we talked earlier, there's about 122 other of these that if they weren't aligned just perfect, life couldn't work here in the universe. If looking around at what you see doesn't do it for you, then I'd encourage you to look within. The human body is maybe the most vivid piece of logical evidence that could ever point us to God. Take DNA, for example. DNA is within every single one of our cells and carries our genetic information. It's basically the instruction manual for our body's growth and development. So if you put all the DNA molecules in your body end to end, the DNA would reach from the earth to the sun and back over 600 times. Another way of saying this, if you could type 60 words a minute, 8 hours a day, it would take you approximately 50 years to type the human genome. We can barely fathom how incredible our cells are. Or how about the fact that our body is naturally self-healing? Have you ever thought about that? A scratch or cut heals itself over the course of a few days. A fractured or broken bone grows back together when properly lined up. Get a virus and your body naturally overheats itself to try and burn it off. That's pretty incredible. Have you ever considered your heart? Like our hearts are pretty amazing organs. The average heart is the size of an adult fist and it weighs less than a pound. It will beat over 155,000 times every day and pump over 2,000 gallons of blood throughout your body. Pretty amazing. If you were to stretch out your blood vessel system, it would extend over 60,000 miles. Random? No way. It's a bigger leap of faith to believe that you and I are a random accident than to believe in a sovereign God who created us. So where are you at? For some of you who already believe in God, hopefully this excites you and encourages you in your faith. For any atheists or agnostics listening today, I want you to know that I'm really glad you tuned in. And I hope this sparks some questions for you. Again, the biggest question you could ever ask yourself is, do you believe in God? I think the main reason so many people don't want to acknowledge that God created the universe is because if you acknowledge that God created the universe, then there has to be a God. And if there is a God, then you and I are morally accountable to him. As I close, it's important to remember that we are all biased. We just talked about three points that support my bias. And I know I can't prove to you that God exists, but you can't prove to me that he doesn't. So I strongly encourage all of us to know why we believe what we believe 
and that our belief would be backed up by evidence and not just feelings. I'd encourage all of you to go do your own research, ask your own questions, and see what you come up with. How did we get here? In a lot of ways, it's still a mystery. But at the same time, there's so much evidence that points towards a creator. Thanks so much for tuning in to this podcast. You can find all the other breakout sessions from SMC on Apple and Spotify by searching SMC 2021. We'll see you soon.